first thing I'll say, uh, welcome to another installment of uh, the live series at Amicus Recruitment. Uh, my name is William. Uh, I'm a consultant. Amicus focus on focusing on recruiting for Golang in the Nordics. Uh, the live series provides a platform for leaders to discuss and uh, share ideas relating to tech leadership. And this virtual round, round table is on the topic of creating a culture of empowerment. So to discuss this topic, we're joined by John Nilsson, an experienced engineering manager for companies like Tink and Carla. Um, we're also joined by Husum Yahawi, um, engineering manager at Fandom, and Lucas Saruba, engineering manager at Carla. So, uh, John, would you mind telling us a bit about yourself, uh, your journey, and why is culture important to you? Yeah, of course. Hi, thanks for having me. Uh, I'm uh, an engineering manager since about five years, and I have a long background as an engineer before that, uh, as in, in mobile, in front end, and in back end. So, kind of a front, full stack view of it. Um, been at a been through a long startup journey at Tink, then a few small uh, other companies such as Carla and now Empire as a consultant and a short time also at Cree. Uh, and yeah, I, I really enjoy, or what one of my passions is culture because I think it has such an immense impact both on people and like how you actually uh, enjoy working at a company, but also the impact it also has on the results of, of the individuals, like and, and that crossover where like it's all both good for people and for the company. I think it's like uh, something really fun to work with. Amazing, excellent, thank you. And Usam, uh, same to you. Ultimately, could you tell us just a bit about yourself, your journey, and why the topic is is interesting to you? Awesome. Um, similar to John, I've also started my career as an engineer. Did a lot of front end, most of the back end, analytics, and everything in between. Uh, I've been working mostly in in finance, mostly about those new banks, um, those crypto banks, even. Uh, so I had my fair share of fun, and then moved directly to entertainment, where I work now as an engineer manager at Fandom. Um, culture is really important in the sense that it makes or breaks your whole team, um, and I see it actually from my team perspective. Um, what the culture that we are trying to foster is simply an extension of what is your company is trying to preach. Eventually, it's going to uh, uh, come from a, a vision that someone needs to have, needs to bring, typically the CEO or the CTO of that company. Mm -hmm. And it simply goes down to the team. And the implementation of it is going to be very crucial into the well-being of your team eventually. And uh, we've been also working in COVID time, and we know how um, how important the well-being of our teams is is really important into making the product eventually. Uh, and whether we liked it or not, it's one of the really most important part to consider why building anything. So the culture has simply extended itself to many things besides simply culture or all culture just important, but how and why and how we can even build it. That's what the whole uh, fun laid on. But yeah, that's how I see it myself. Interesting, interesting. And uh, Lucas, same to you, ultimately. Um, tell us about yourself, yeah. your journey, and why the topic is interesting to you. Yeah, I'm Lucas. I, I work currently as an engineer manager at Klarna in Sweden, uh, while well, working for Sweden remotely. And uh, I've been an engineering manager there for two years, but before that, uh, a bunch of like engineering management positions uh, some like a CTO position, and but my background is generally in the backend development 
but I kind of try to navigate this thin boundary between people, tech, business, and product. So I'm very happy to say that Eclana can actually do that. So I enjoyed it very much. And uh, like, what does the culture mean to me? And, and like, why do I find it important? I think that at Eclana, I finally understood what the culture can be, uh, which I really appreciate. And to me right now, it's more like a lifestyle when you go to work. It's not just like a buzzword or like set of principles, set of rules. Uh, like we love each other. We strive this and that. It's actually how you live it. That's the culture. You cannot like talk about it much. You need to really have it and live it because like it doesn't help when you just talk about it if you don't live it, right? Yeah. Uh, to me, basically, it's an, the, we will talk about the empowerment and basically culture to me is the empowerment because like when I thought about it for a bit, it's like when you are raising a kid, you need to give the kid some boundaries, some safety zones for, for them to understand like what is expected from them, where is the boundary, what's okay to do, what's not okay to do, how the culture actually works, how the family works. And this is very similar with like when you go to work and you fully understand like how the culture works, it's, it's very, very transparent, it's very obvious, it's very healthy, then you as an engineer or any employee for that matter can really focus on great achievements and you feel safe like you feel safe bringing controversial topics you feel safe being courageous because you know that there's culture behind you it's basically your safeguard right instead of being like oh when i tell this person that then i will be fired well i will not be promoted next year i need to do a different way office politics so culture to me is basically a baseline for everything to strive fascinating fascinating thank you for the uh explanation there would would we say that culture might be more important in tech, you know, with the prevalence of remote working or would, yeah. So I guess I'll, I'll leave that over to you guys. Do we think that culture is more important in tech in general? Lucas, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a good answer from you there. Uh, yeah, okay. I'm thinking about it. I wouldn't say it's primarily more important, but like tech, has this kind of a aspect to it that it's way faster in development than other other industries at least from what i'm seeing obviously there might be others uh and as like as it's fast evolving you need more safeguards because you cannot really rely on how it has been done for years so you need to evolve quickly and for that i think the culture can be paramount mm -hmm. someone what would you say um like exactly what what Lucas was going to say, but um, for me it's just I think that tech in general is a very creative work, right? And the people that we are working with are poets in a different way, and I see that for even writing code or simply being part of the tech department in general is very poetic as a job. That you are writing text all day long, and you need this kind of inspiration that keeps on coming. Like any like poet or writer, this kind of mental stability and mental security is really important. Um, and how you implement it is actually the key essence of making or breaking your team. Um, we all heard about, or we even when we were engineers before, we hear that don't say this or you will not get promoted. Like don't say the truth of how things should be. And you will not feel promoted or take that merit, especially now you are in going to mid-year um, and performance reviews and everything between and people are simply thinking about it. It's very hard to convince people that, oh, maybe you should really say your opinion and be very proud about it and nothing actually would happen. If anything, we are here to fix your problem. And you know that it always puzzles me to find the right balance um, of being the 
Donald Reagan, we are here, the government trusts us uh, with anything. So uh, we are actually really here to fix your problem. Like we are here to fix whatever that is existing, including you talking and spreading your uh, wings and talking about the problems that bothers you the most uh, without feeling any fear. I think, I think it's one of the interesting part that at least any manager uh, in tech in particular or any other discipline should uh, foster since the very or early days of them joining any company in tech or other, by the way. Um, and just to spread this culture, because unless there is a trust, nothing else will matter. But in tech, typically problems happen faster because we are in a very, very fast pace mm -hmm. and where problems typically really are raised to the occasion very quickly. Amazing. Thank you. And, uh, John, have you got any thoughts on that? Yeah. Absolutely. Like, um, I would say like in tech where I worked, it's been from, I would say, okay, good culture to amazing culture. And I think it contributes so much to the ability we have to, to work efficiently. Uh, I do have some limited work experience prior to joining tech of, uh, working in industry. Uh, and the culture there was very much so-so and like looking back at it now, like, I think there would have been so much for that kind of work environment to have a culture of empowerment too. Like how people would go around and just be pissed at, you know, management and the way things were and just feeling disempowered, just like, okay, I'm going to do this mundane task in the wrong way over and over again every day and feel like this demotivated by it, essentially. Uh, and I don't typically see that too much at the places where I've been in tech, at least. Uh, so I think we have already, like, in general, come quite far uh, in that sense. Uh, so in general, I would say, like, other industries probably have more work to do with culture than tech has in general, because we already get so much of the benefits out of it. Mm. Mm. Fascinating. And how how do you personally as a manager how would you be seeking to empower employees what does that actually look like when you're you know you're, you're conducting reviews you're interacting with these engineers day in and day out how do you do that and empower people at the same time lucas thank you no i, I don't know if I, I wouldn't jump into somebody but um how would i do that um yeah i i don't want to keep bringing the parallel between kids and employees too much because like in, in any way it's not like um, a literal parallel but uh, yeah. I think that, that leading by example is, is what you need to do like that's the only way how it works so when, when you like you're in a meeting you're leading a meeting maybe with other teams other people with your superior and your your people that you are leading are there and you make a mistake it's super important to like show all the process about owning up the mistake about like standing straight about standing like behind your opinions and being able to accept other people's opinion all these like cultural details whatever that is in, in that company to show them in real life and like consciously think about what you're actually showing uh because like again it would be just words if you don't live it right mm. so so that's like that's like one uh i like to communicate expectations and feedback and, and like recognition very very specifically and and be a bit like even vocal on that so people really understand what is expected of them what the success looks like so so they're like 
they have a clear vision of the how to succeed it and how to grow in the company. That that's very important to me. And one that that I believe Sam mentioned touched upon it a bit is like letting people fail safely. Like have an opinion, make a mistake, obviously in, in some proportionate scope, and, and like fail, fix it, and own it and, and move forward. And that's super important to me in a cultural aspect. So sometimes I don't like when I see people coming to maybe building things differently than I would agree with and would love. But it, it's not not something super expensive, I would say. Uh, I let them do that. Maybe they are right. Um, I might be wrong as well. And if they fail, they actually learn from it. So so they like learn that they have the capability, they have tools, and they also have responsibility for whatever they build. And then they feel what I'm seeing when, when when I start doing that is that people grow into that, and they start to be way way more independent and stop asking for every opinion later, and, and they just like are proud to build stuff and fail with that as well. That that's like a part of our job often, right? So that would be my point of view on empowering people actually. Perfect, perfect, great, Sam. What what would you say? I really love what Lucas said. I think like, that's really amazing to you to even hear about it because uh, from what he said, like I, I think about it as a national, right? Like every engineer or every teammate have his arsenal of tools. Like now I'm going to use this part. Now I'm going to use that one. Uh, and at the same time, I see the whole empowerment as it's very subjective, probably. Like maybe from your different teams, you see like, it's very subjective. Each person like things differently or define empowerment differently. Some of them say, okay, me being empowered is me being leading this project or being part of this task force who will do amazing stuff. Other would say, no, me being empowered means getting all the recognition I can get uh, and showcase how great of a work I'm doing in my team or even for the whole organization. So for me, I see the whole empowerment is very subjective and I use actually the one-on-ones as a very like tool. And I really believe in the power of one-on-ones for empowerment because they're where we can be vulnerable the most. Where you be vulnerable, the teammate can be also vulnerable in a way where you can share what you really actually want. And based on that, you can definitely decide which framework of empowerment you're gonna make. Like some, I met even in my team now, I have all shades of the rainbow. I always say that, I always say that the people who really wanna do something, I want to work on stuff and that's empowering to them. Otherwise, like, no, they want to improve a process or improve this or that. But feeling they are in a position to change, I think that's very common across all engineers, at least for me in the past. That was me like, having the ability to do so. And that's how I see the whole empowerment. And I having one framework to fit everyone is not probably, at least for me, was not the, the way to go to, but try to be very specific and very subjective and customize this empowerment product to each and every one of them, proven to be very successful, including this ability to fail fast and fail often and learn from this one as a, an interesting tool in their arsenal. Fascinating, great stuff. And what about you, John? Would you would you say that there's some points there that you identify with any other ways that you would perhaps manage it? Uh, just to start with, I would like to go back to what Lucas said early on, like with like how you identified it at Klarna, uh, with like it's being some kind of guardrails. You know that this is the kind of box that you can operate with in, uh, effectively and safely. Uh, I think that's a great way to describe culture and, and how I like to also apply it as a manager. 
and what you said also about expectations it's, it's i think a great way to start like you tell them like okay this is what i expect of you like uh, i trust you go and do your stuff and then uh, you know talk with the people on your team regularly see what they're up to and uh, mentor them as you think they might be going astray when they're just you know going in the right way you know perhaps just coach them and let them run along uh, and and you know show trust in people and as you've said before like when when things go wrong i think that's when you as a manager can really foster good culture in the sense that that's when you're gonna actually stand in the spotlight and say hey you know we we messed up you know i can take the blame you know we're gonna learn from this uh we did it you know we we, we tried and we're gonna do our best to learn from this and we'll we'll deliver something better next time and as the team succeeds you'll do the opposite then you let the team stand stand forward and say hey this is the team's work i i i'm just you know sitting here talking to these people, these are the actual stars. I think this is a, a good way to to foster empowerment and, you know, an, an experimental uh, learning culture as a manager. Excellent. And how important do you find the one-on-ones, Lucas? Like you have like the individualized approach and then like the collective approach. Is it similar to Sam's experience? I, I do have like a very... I regard to one-on-ones. Uh, I have done like the weekly with my reports, even though it takes a vast amount of time. Mm. Uh, and I have them in a, like a couple of them in a row, and it's super fun to watch. Like it's a very different narrative. Like and when I open the conversation, when someone's like, "Hey, how are you? Like, how was your holiday?" Somebody's like, "Okay, let's do stuff. Like, what do you need from me? How can I help you?" Somebody else, it's basically uh, a, a being a therapist of a kind like it depends on what they actually need at that point in time and that evolves and it's super important to like keep evolving with them and being like half a step ahead of them and, and gently steer them like motivate them to grow in whatever direction they wish to hmm. so one-on-one super crucial and very individualized uh, yeah for sure yeah fantastic you seem like you have something to say there sam feel free to jump in whenever no i, I think that that kind of wraps it up yeah cool uh, have you got anything to add there, Sam? Like I say, it looked like you had something maybe to add. Uh, I, I definitely agree with Lucas here. Uh, do them often, do them even like, even like the thing that I'm trying to even try to talk about with my team is that you don't just even need to do have one-on-one. Like you can have like a meeting a, a week or in a bi-weekly, depending on the duration. But mm-hmm. those like ad hoc ones whenever needed are really important, especially when you are stuck or simply not feeling exactly what you should do next. Because those matters really happens a lot in any organization, especially in tech, when you really require an opinion on the spot and you'd be like faced with this dilemma of making a decision now, like, right away um for someone to keep going doing something um it, it doesn't take that individualism of the equation but in the same time give them this sensation that they actually can reach out anytime because their manager or this manager or this lead or whatever you kind of call it is available all the time and it works actually for the part of the empowerment in a way where I am being let to do whatever I want in this project or this mission I'm doing. But in the same time, I can always know that I can revert to a third party opinion about it on the spot, which can steer me 
to any kind of positional direction, which is really, I think it's really rewarding. Mm. Um, even for do it with my VP uh, when when I need so so, yeah, yeah, being agile and flexible as well, being able to yep. adapt ultimately. Exactly. And what what happens when we don't have empowerment? I suppose that's a, an important like question to consider. What 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 is it like when you may have seen it, you may have been involved in companies where it's like this? What does it look like? How how does it affect performance and morale, etc.? Feel free. I'd say, yeah, I'd say that um, people tend to, like, go, going back to what I said, that I think where I've been at least, people are so used to, to having this great culture. So when for some reason, you know, there are circumstances that, that people feel disempowered, I think it's a dramatical in tech, actually. People feel very disempowered and, and, uh, um, like start feeling insecure and uh, like it really derails the team from from high performance in the sense that they don't dare to make decisions uh, they're not sure even what to work on a lot of times uh, they need to ask for permission and basically uh, everything uh, so, so I think it dramatically uh, crashes performance into the ground and as well as kind of team happiness. Uh, so I think it's a very kind of undesirable state intake. And as people know there, it's, you know, generally good culture at tech companies. I think people pretty soon will start looking for other opportunities. Uh, so I think it's really something to look out for and, and make sure it doesn't happen where you are. Interesting, Sam? You know, sometimes lack of, empowerment doesn't necessarily means you have a bad culture maybe you the whole organization is occupied to a certain degree where some of things simply slipped out of the whole equation and i've been also part of such organization in the past where like my manager in the past was like really great uh, but in the same time we didn't have this enough empowerment that we were looking for uh, per se and that's all we are talking about nowadays um, and now looking at it back i think that we didn't even know that sometimes we are missing something until we see the other side of it or mm -hmm. we've been working like in a bigger like a different company where you can actually make a difference oh this is what's important news. Uh, I'm missing this part. So it's, it can be like one of those tricky things that you don't know that you are missing until you do. Um, but in the same time, not having it, at least in nowadays where it's become like really mainstream, not having it can create this feeling of that no one actually cares, uh, especially for the high performance. If you're going to ignore them or just simply try to bring everyone to a certain scale, you'll be like, no one actually cares that I'm doing or going beyond my limits here or give, going beyond what I actually can do to have the, 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 the needle to be moved. Because sometimes we have those really wicked engineers. Well, actually, they are everywhere. I mean, now we all know some of them who actually involved in everything, every project, every mission. They are simply that because they are simply brilliant. And not to give them enough stability that their work is important and they were empowered to make decisions. Like even if you want to say monitor decisions can be really beneficial for them to even grow or take responsibility for something completely different. Uh, and not having enough of that sometimes can be a killer, at least to what I'm seeing nowadays. 
Hmm. Interesting. Lucas? Reflecting back on my on my past work experiences, and uh, I have to say that I had a, a lot of terrible cultural and environment experiences in the past, and, and uh, I have to admit that sometimes I have been the one who didn't provide the best experience to, to my people as well. Uh, like working in, in Central Europe 12, 13 years ago was just different than it, it is now in Sweden, for example. Uh, maybe it was exactly the same in Sweden, who knows, but uh, definitely I cherish good culture nowadays and appreciate it even more maybe because of that experience. And what I've seen is people, basically two things, people either are not stop making decisions basically, because they're like, yeah, if you want it this way, I will build it for you. And they basically become a tool that moves the ticket from lane to do in the lane done without ever thinking about it, without ever like questioning it because somebody else put the to-do into their to-do lane and they, they just start mm. like moving tickets around and, and there is zero added value apart from typing the code. Uh, and then it's reviewed by somebody else and they just tell them to fix it. And that, then like, this is really bad. Uh, and these people basically lose all the motivation and uh, then they basically burn out on this one. Or they are like they have some self-respect and they leave like soon enough so they don't burn out. Uh, but the other one I've seen uh, is actually like burning out on uh, lack of uh, lack of uh, how to put it, like overworking themselves. Like it being it's about the boundaries, right? Mm -hmm. Like work-life balance. Uh, that's a cultural thing in Sweden. It's a very cultural thing. It's amazing. Uh, in other countries, not that much. But if people actually like keep working, keep working, don't understand that it's okay to not be in the office for a week. It's fine if you take two weeks of vacation. Like the world doesn't stop. If this is not a part of the culture, then people literally burn out. Not because they don't feel empowered. They might feel super empowered, but they don't feel like the culture enables them to actually slow down. They only see like ahead and up and faster and, and, mm. and bigger. So that's also an important like aspect of a lack of culture. Mm. So, yeah. I guess the common threads I'm picking up there is definitely when you mentioned the creativity at the start, Sam, it seems like when there is an empowerment there, that creativity that's so important to tech isn't allowed to develop. So that would be the biggest impact on performance if that's you know such an important part of of you know high performing engineers ultimately would you say that's a fair assessment oh i think it's a pretty fair one um and yeah uh, like sometimes i i say this to my team like you are not a code typing machine and i keep saying that on every retro meeting you are not a type coding machine like there is more to an engineer than the i can see um there is the thinking there is this creativity that you can actually not live without and if we go and consider engineers simply as a, like a a robot or someone who can just come here, take a ticket from to do and push it to done every day. I think people typically get bored of that. Mm. Uh, I know myself, I would definitely be bored of that. Uh, I, I want to have more. I want to do different projects. I want to inject myself in different initiatives. And this is actually can be a like definitely a killer, at least for me. Uh, I consider this a definitely a killer. Mm, definitely. 
Definitely. And when it comes to high performance in tech, obviously we've established empowerment is important in that. Would you say it's the most important thing? Would Would you say, you know, there are many other factors? How, how does it rank? Right. As culture go, I would say that would be my number one pick. Uh, but I think there are other factors as well as, uh, but but they are more, I don't, I, I don't think there's one that has kind of uh, such a big red thread mm. across all the major companies. Then there are very important aspects to individual companies that I've, you know, worked with, such as that you identify to the company's mission and vision, could be super important. Uh, and yeah, that would probably be my my second one to go to that people feel and and feel that they can can contribute to to an important mission vision. Mm. Definitely. What would you say there, Lucas? I think that like culture would be maybe close to number one, the, and the empowerment would be maybe coming together with the culture, but maybe not. I don't think you can actually build anything on one pillar. It's mm. like a, a well-balanced uh, like baseline. And I I strongly align with the idea that, that the mission and vision is super important. You need to know what you're building and why. You need to feel empowered. You need to have right tools. Uh, like having a problematic laptop is a thing that can like stop you from doing stuff. And it, it can like it can bring the company culture down. I've seen that like having subpar equipment. It, is that a culture problem? Maybe no. It's money, maybe a mm-hmm. money problem. But even that small thing can like make developers so unhappy that they lose the empowerment because of something that you wouldn't expect. So I think it, it's all about well balanced inputs from all sides. But culture definitely would be one of the highest uh, ranked ones, and empowerment, yes, for sure. Mm, interesting interesting um what do we think would be the like the best practices when it comes to improving performance like it, just in general as a, as a as a starting point like one thing that i added to my tool belt in sweden specifically at Klarna was a combination of inclusion equality and diversity i like those like the those three words coming together uh, because you can apply it on, on like all kinds of stuff. It can be on people, but it can be on, on opinion. So it's super like important to be inclusive to all kinds of opinion, have kind of an equality because me as engineering manager, I don't make decisions. I support decisions, right? Mm-hmm. Even though I have a tech background, I code mm-hmm. when need, need, I need to, I support and we are kind of all equal in the team. Obviously there can be moments where that's not really applicable, but mm-hmm. as much as we can, and diversity and solutions. It's like there is no one correct way to do stuff in tech. Like there are multiple ways. So so these are like three words that I like to play with and apply them to different scenarios. Uh, and definitely I, I feel that if we live this, we make the performance way better. And uh, circling back to goals and expectations and uh, that that's super important to understand what the common goal is, what the expectation of the delivery is like is it an MVP or is it a full scope? But we need to fully understand and we need to be aligned. What is the individual expectation? So like goals, expectations, feedback, and, and what I mentioned about the inclusion, equity, and diversity would be my answer. Perfect. What would you say, Sam? John? Um, for me, when I like hear performance, I always revert like performance against what? 
uh, and that you need to really go back to the whole essence of of a goal that needs to happen uh, prior to anything, either between performance rounds or what whatever you, your company actually is doing. So uh, having a clear understanding of what is that you are actually going to do and build or work on is going to def- like make or break your performance. If you're going to strive to finalize all your goals or your uh, things that you commit to um, from from a, like a, a team work point of view or to even personal one. Because for instance, when I try to set goals like by the um, beginning of the year of mid-year, I, I just always have two of them. I have the very first one, which is going to be the, the the personal one that you are committed. It can be learning and development. It can be personal project. It can be anything, or leadership like opportunities that you want to have to even having this capabilities with the team because we need to have a team meeting where we discuss goals and you need to own one of them, which means we're going to give you this kind of empowerment of some sort about one of the goals that the team owns as a as a as a whole, like like from seven to eight people, and you're gonna actually judge how that is going to be while getting mm-hmm. feedback, of course, that will give you a, a bit of a boost toward this achieving this goal, at least because you're gonna your 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 scope now or your audience now is bigger than just your manager. Because that's what people usually think. My goal is just with my manager, and that's gonna be it. I will just need to do whatever he wants, give him his goal, his goal, and then we're going to be done. I'm gonna be achieving like uh, like surpassing expectations. But when we add the team to the scope, the whole mindset will change and the whole uh, ownership model also change and feel more responsible or not letting the team down. And that's actually part of the mm. whole uh, empowerment. So you can see that empowerment, uh, even to go back to your question in the past, you said empowerment and performance. So if you are going to be empowerment empowered enough to own a team goal, and then you're going to be uh, having this responsibility to achieve something, it will definitely goes to your performance and eventually it will be counted as so. But so it's part of it eventually. Fascinating. John? I love what you said there, Sam. Uh, both in terms, like for me, uh, expectations, that's kind of step zero. I think you need to talk about expectations to build performance because otherwise how, how, what is like what you said, Sam? Like, what, what even is performance if you don't talk about what the expectations are? Uh, how, how are people supposed to know what you're supposed to deliver on? And just as you said, Sam, like, then you also need the goals, like the team goals. Like, what am I going to work on? If I'm a senior engineer, you know, I will contribute to the team goals and kind of own them for the team together with probably product manager and engineering manager, as well as, you know, coaching more junior individuals. Uh, you'll be expected to, you know, work outside of the team on some department goals. Like, if you don't know those, how are you supposed to perform? So for me, that's kind of step one. Then I would say that the other thing that I would like to mention is also uh, kind of team, like team vibe, like team, team spirit, like that you have a good collaboration and vibe between the people in your team. I think that's kind of a killer that people like to work and hang out uh, with each other. Uh, I think, was it you, Sam, that said, like, that you can just call someone and get a, you know, second opinion or something. Like, that's so crucial that you don't get stuck stuck on on things. And that happens when you have a good team spirit. Uh, Like, just so naturally. Uh, so when people feel comfortable and like working with each other, I think that's also kind of a 
a really big game changer in terms of big or good performance. Mm. How important then do we think, like, you know, like the recruitment and the resourcing for teams are, then do we think that plays a massive role when it comes to maintaining that culture? Surely that puts more of an emphasis on finding the right people as opposed to, you know, simply making them the right people, if that makes sense. Absolutely, I think so. Uh, and I think it's probably harder when you're ju- uh, recruiting more, more, more senior talent uh, compared to junior talent, because uh, obviously there, there are less good senior talent on the market, so you can be less picky. But in general, that is my ex- uh, experience. Uh, mm. When it comes to kind of the junior talent, that that's one of the biggest things I look for. For like how how uh, engaged are these people in joining the company they're going to join? How likely are they to learn quickly, uh, like to listen and absorb things, like eager to to get things done? Like that would be like the number one things that I actually uh, look for because I think if you have those things. People are going to love to work with you, and that's going to, you know, create such an uh, amazing atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Would you maybe prioritize them over the more, you know, like hard skills, technical skills? For for junior junior applicants, absolutely. Uh, you know, they they cannot be, you know, zero <laughs> at the at the hard skills if you call them that. Mm. Uh, but uh, it's it's definitely a bigger deal for me. Interesting. What would you say there, Samuel? Like you've got something to say on that? Oh, definitely. Um, I, as part of this whole empowerment, you would say that you are actually in a position to protect your team, right? And this goes actually in every possible way. You are protecting team from other teams' expectations. You are protecting your team from the whole organization expectations and create a safety space. Somehow like a, a bubble, some might say, <laughs> but it's actually very good to nurture this, this whole ideation so they can actually grow and feel that they are protected, they are doing enough job. As part of this protection goes to the hiring part. And I cannot like emphasize enough. I feel like we're in a position to really protect the whole team culture. Um, something that we, like me, the team, the product, the project, we all foster together and we built like we sweat and burn, like we, we do we spend time mm. to build this culture. And once we are going to hire, we, we cannot simply risk it, right? So we definitely need to find someone who at least can share like 80% of our ethics or just how we believe or how we think. And then the other one can be definitely coachable. I, I believe that everyone is coachable. That's even my manager, something that he always said this to me. I believe that everyone is actually coachable. So it definitely goes for the seniors or for the staffs without talking about the principles. Uh, so um, that's definitely a thing. And when it comes to the juniors part, I think it is it's it is the thing that you need to look for. Like even interns, for instance. Even for me, like recently we got some interns and what I look for is simply this enthusiasm, this spark, some might say, that they really want to do something because this energy is really important because you are energized to join a team and to do something and to work on something exciting. You don't want to be like faded since the beginning, right? Mm. I know challenges can come your way in the future and you might eventually survive on something, but you have this spark and this energy to just jump in. Like I'm here, we do things. I want to learn. I want to do stuff. I want to go to party with all of you. I want to go to dinners. I want to have some fun with you all. So this is like really important. Um, and when it comes to the technical one, it's definitely important. 
from one like rack to another, different expectations from senior to staff to principals, uh, and it goes down to like an SC2s, for instance, or to, to juniors uh, eventually. But the culture is number one, and the technical one for juniors, like, like, like John said, that's definitely coachable. We can mentor people, we can teach them how to do things, but you can never teach culture or involvement. Yeah, fascinating. And do you have anything to, to add on that, Lucas? I do. Uh, I agree with hiring with comfortable culture. Uh, I, I'm lucky to be a behavior interviewer in Kuwana, so I do that every week. And I really enjoyed that process where I poke into people to understand if they fit our culture or not. And I, I do that on like multiple examples that I kind of get out of them and, and I, I look deep into how they actually navigated themselves within those examples. Uh, sometimes what I found out is that finding the 80% compatibility might not be what we want because of diversity. That's like one. Um, not disagreeing there, but sometimes it's also the great talent is coming from a background where the culture was just different. Does it mean that they're less capable? Does it mean that they wouldn't adjust to our culture? Not really. So sometimes it's like we poke into examples that they bring. And if they work with like huge old tech like SAP and others, there is so much restrictions they have to follow that they just don't have ability to make a great impact. Like mm -hmm. they can be great, but within a very limited scope. Does it mean that we don't want to hire them? Well, we might want to hire them, but we really need to look close at how they navigate within the space that they've been like condensed into. And we might find like evidence that they would be great when given the opportunity. So it, it's not that straightforward sometimes. And so that's like one aspect. And the other the tech compared to behavior, uh, when we do debriefs, it's so interesting to see that we, we obviously don't know about other interviews until we meet in the debrief and then we talk about it for the first time. So we are not biased. And we rate very deep in, in, in very much a detailed leveling. And we meet there people doing skills, people doing architecture, people doing what I do, behavioral. We meet there for the candidate and we all rate them the same. It's quite interesting to see that usually tech follows behavior in the other way around. It's, it's very rare to have somebody who is low on tech and high on uh, culture and behavior or the other way around. It's usually balanced. It can be a couple of steps up and down, but it's usually not like striving in one and, and failing the other. Hmm. So, and, and it also says something about the person if they can balance all their aspects, it, those pillars, right? So somebody who is super technically strong, but likes something, maybe it's not a good balance, but maybe it is. It always uh, depends on the individual case. But we usually take it in a way that we can shape people as long as we see that they have the right, right mindset. Maybe not the right achievements, but the right mindset. I think we can work with them. So that's what I look for. Interesting. So you're almost saying there that like technical competence and you know the, the ability to adapt to the culture are almost like the same or that they're like intrinsically related almost? Yeah, I think it comes with the maturity of the person. Like when you start as a very junior person, you don't have much of the maturity on the cultural level as well. There mm -hmm. might be exceptions, but don't take it like super literal. But mm -hmm. then you grow in tech and, and you have more and more experience in in situations that you navigated yourself in, right? And as you grow in one, you naturally grow in the in the other. If you grow the right way, if you're super 
nerdy tech who knows everything about certain aspect of a library, but don't talk to people, then we probably don't want you because it's hard to work with you. Maybe that would be the case, but where it, it would be imbalanced. Mm, interesting. Interesting. Now, how would, so I'm very fascinated to understand how like you would be screening for culture and like the processes you go through at Klarna to like what, what kind of processes do you have to determine whether someone would be a cultural fit? If you can share anyway. I don't want to go into too much detail there. Uh, but basically how I do it is I ask a couple of very open-ended questions about how that person, I try, first try to understand how, what, who is the customer of that person? Like how do they work? Who do they work for? Mm. Not a name, but more like the archetype of the customer and what is the service they deliver? It can be whatever. It's all fine. So I can tailor my questions towards how they actually help that customer, how they actually make sure that what they deliver is super good, how they understand that maybe what they are asked to deliver is not what the customer actually needs along these lines and, and many, many other other lines. But we I poked into the I poke into these and I look for being the driver, being the leader, making sure that it's not just a to do to done, mm -hmm. uh, but really making uh, as much impact as as possible within the given scope that they have. These would be a couple of bullet points. Interesting. Would you have a similar experience, Sam? Is that something you would do? Oh, definitely. Um, even for me, like I've been in like one of my favorite interviews of all time. Like I really love doing system design. I just love that interview so much because it tells me a lot about how people think. Um, but even like in tech in general, I did all the spectrum of the whole interviews. But for me, I, I always look for that person who simply love to ask questions. Because if you are asking questions about the process, about the exercise, or about the mission, or about something, means that you actually care. And that's really important that you don't find it everywhere. Like not everyone cares as equally as everyone else. And if your team really cares about details, cares of, for instance, now like my team is mostly all about the UX yeah, at Fandom. Uh, and when we talk about the US, we are talking about like pixel perfect things. Everything needs to be like great. So questioning everything is our mission. And when we look about developers and when you don't find someone who you just give him something and he just jump right away to it, like without asking anything, like, but then you can actually make your life way easier if you just ask questions. It's just for you, not even for us. But it tells you a lot about this person um, thinking and like perspective about things. Because the more you ask questions, the more careful you are into defining what is exactly I want as a client or as a product or whatever. And eventually you'll be able to be in the right direction, which is exactly what we want from you here. Mm -hmm. Amazing. And John, I guess the same for you. How would you go around like screening for, for culture? What would your process be to make sure you get the right people in the team? Mm, I'm definitely going to steal Lucas' method here for, for my future interviews. I think it's brilliant. Uh, but I think I probably do similar things. I, I ask them for the understanding of the environment that they operate in, like... Uh, what they're doing, how they're doing it, what works well, what works less well. Like, are they reflecting on the reality that they exist in? Uh, and I also like to check that they are self-aware in the sense of like, what are strengths? What have they recently learned? What would they like to improve in terms of, you know, soft skills and hard skills? 
those I would think are really important to see that this is somebody that will continue to grow and not just be where they are right now. Um, I think th th that would be some of my go-to questions to, 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 to like validate that these are people I would like to work with, that, that they are aware and thinking and resonating about their environment and their in themselves. Mm. Mm. Do we think there's some some engineers, some people that just simply could never adapt to the kind of cultures you guys want to create or, you know, can everybody, does everybody have the potential in the right environment to do that, do you think? Maybe the question is, is it about the potential or their expectations? Because when we as companies think about what we offer mm. and what our expectations are, it's just one side, but maybe that person has a very different set of expectations. I know people who actually like to put stuff from to do to done mm, okay. uh, all day along and and maybe they're happy doing that uh, who am i to judge right but we don't want to work with them that much because we need somebody more creative but maybe they have this kind of a requirement when they are in the interview so it's all about expectations but from both sides so maybe they don't want to change into what we want them to be maybe they have different goals for themselves interesting so almost like um culture being a bit more subjective there then do we not think that maybe you know the culture of empowerment good culture is always the best for a company always the best for a team or do you think that there are like you say some companies some teams some individuals that do prefer that that method and would benefit from that method i'll jump in maybe to to set what i said a bit straight uh i think that the empowerment and culture is super important for a company but I think that there are people who are just aiming for something else. Mm. So maybe they need to find a company that's not mature enough in their culture. Maybe they have different ways of working, different expectations. Fascinating. Sam, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. It's definitely not one solution fits all, right? Um, and there are some people who actually really love to do, to just go to work, work on their task, finish what they want to finish, and then simply go home. And that's completely like fine, by the way. Like a lot of people say, like, oh no, this is not, you need to be in many projects. No, no, it's it's not actually. It's definitely fine to just go home and just go to work, do your task and then go home. But in the same time, depending on the companies, depending on what those companies are expecting from their employees. So I would say it's definitely something to be shared even at a very early stage of the whole recruitment to see what is this person is actually want to achieve. And depending on their that like perception of achievement, which can be different from one another, we can definitely identify the 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 doers who just want to do things, or the the achievers who want to do things why they look good, <laughs> and they, there is like a different perspective onto how this can be. But for me, I think like also like Wilker said, it depends on the company. If I'm gonna because in for instance in Poland here we do have a lot of companies who called like software houses where companies do project upon project upon project upon project. So they don't have products per se. And you would say oh, those people are really wired in a way to think about only the mission, this mission and sell the product and move on to the next step. So company, this company mission and vision is really important. But if you go to a company like Klarna or like companies that are very, very creative in their business model in general, then we need people who think differently about the whole market in a continuous basis. Those people will definitely not going to fit, like really not going to fit because the expectation is simply different. 
You want people who participate in, in hackathons, for instance, people who participate in those small workshops internally to create a new project, new ways of doing things. So it, they were not fit, which is completely fine. But there's other companies who simply appreciate or cherish that particular mindset. And it's also completely fine. So it depends on the company, where you work and what you want to see yourself in the future. And depending on how you see your life balance, by the way, because some people just keep the eight hours and then cut it, go home, do whatever. And they don't even care about what they really want to do in the future. So, and by the way, it is completely normal and it's okay. <laughs> by the way, everything is okay, but depending on the companies and how they want their employees to be. Excellent, great stuff. Right. John, you're nodding away there. Have you got any final thoughts on that one? I would like to agree with a lot of that has been said. Uh, I was going to say basically the same that both of the two, but what I would like also to add is probably you can have room for different individuals within a team. You can have room for a few people that's super creative and thus most of the creative work for, for the team. And then a few people who's like, I'm going to drag tickets here. I'm great at dragging tickets because the otherwise they're busy being creative. We need somebody who, who actually, you know, does, does the, the actual coding of, of the creative work. That's been done. Like so, so I think it's not just about one type of people that can fit into a company or team. You will need different people in 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 different uh, companies and teams as well with, with different attributes. So, so you just have to think about it in your team and company composition. Perfect, excellent. Really appreciate that. Obviously, some great answers there as well. And just as we approach the you know the end of the hour that we have together. Um, I wanted to just shift focus a little bit to more junior developers, you know, people starting as engineers, et cetera. What advice you guys as engineering managers, what you want to see in them, what advice you would give them? So it's quite an open-ended question, really, but what, what advice would you give them in the context of contributing to a positive culture and, you know, contributing in the best way possible for the team? What would you say there? Lucas, we'll start with uh, you. You're on the left to me. Okay. Uh, like, I do have a couple of ideas, but like one stands out and that's like, it, it's like a marriage. Keep finding a right culture for you until you find it. And, and then like, maybe not for life, but keep keep searching basically. Because mm. it, it's not one fit all, right? One size fit all, but definitely not. And once you find it, I would say like, take responsibilities, be curious and be brave, kind of. Like, be open-minded, to, to just go for it. Like, because if you don't and you just sit there and wait for the opportunities to come, I think that companies with a great culture will not be a right place for you. So I think it, it's super important to to just start doing stuff, start learning by doing, and it's okay to be have a disagreement as long as it's constructive. It's okay to stand by your opinions. You don't need to, like, be in line and, and like be silent because you haven't been with the company for 20 years it, it, it's like i think that nowadays tech companies really appreciate people with an opinion as long as it's a valid one at least a bit and, and the person can argue about why that's a good idea so i would say like go for it have fun perfect so for me it's definitely be curious showcase that you are really curious about things be with you. It's 
always good to give smart answers and be the smart pants in the room. Uh, specialize in one thing and one thing only and then expand on it in the future as you find the market fit. Don't just be doing know it all because sometimes there is no market for that. People nowadays want to have specialized in something. Try to find a market that you can resonate with. Try to uh, find or enhance your skills in that part and try to know more about it as you go. And be just be open about other things and read more, learn more, and never stop learning. In the same time, it's okay to fail. Um, that's actually something I learned myself also the hard way that it is actually okay to fail initially as you go to through your career, uh, but um, it's always appreciated to have an honest opinion. If you are in a place where honest opinions doesn't matter, probably you are in the wrong one. So try to find a place where you can actually grow, a place that pressured out your growth and push you to that. Um, and yeah, find yourself a mentor as well. That's something very important. A mentor can be a manager, can be a colleague, can be an ex-colleague, by the way. Uh, I believe that work relationship can even extend even after you leave a company. So find yourself a mentor, learn from them, and never stop learning. Perfect. John? A lot of great stuff here already, but I would say, like, dare to be wrong. Speak your mind. Like, when you're working with smart people around yourself, with experience, like before they say how they're going to solve it, speak your mind and say this, what I'm saying here, would that make any sense? Maybe you're right, probably not, but you're going to learn why you're not right. And that's going to, you know, skyrocket your career, I think, and really understand how you can do things better compared to how you already know things. Uh, that would be my number one tip to, to you know, grow rapidly as a junior. Fantastic. Excellent. Um, I think we've had some you know, amazing answers there. It's been a great discussion on culture, some great stuff there for more junior developers to pick up on. I think, like you say, John, you picked up a couple of things from Lucas there, and I'm sure, you know, sharing these ideas, I'm sure you, you've all learned things from each other. So um, thank you all for attending today. It's, it's been a pleasure to host you, privilege. And um, yeah, hopefully we can do similar in the future. It's uh, yeah, thank you for thank you for joining. Thanks so much, thank William. You. It's been amazing. It was a pleasure. No worries. See you all Bye. soon. Bye. Bye. See you. Yeah. Bye.